happens today in BC, March 21st, of course, here in Ontario, masking mandates being lifted, other restrictions being lifted as well right across the country. And with reports of more and more workers being asked to return to the office as these restrictions are being lifted, do you have to? Do you have to actually return if your employer requests or tells you to do so? Stan Fenzelberg is an employment lawyer with Zanfuro Tamarkin and joins us now for more on this. Stan, good afternoon. Nice to have you with us. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Jeff. All right. If your employer wants you back, do you legally have to return to the office? So it would largely depend on the circumstances that were in place before the pandemic. If you were working in the office every day before the pandemic, and the only reason you stopped is because of the pandemic, then absolutely your employer has the right to ask you to come back because they're not introducing a new term into your contract, into your relationship. This term has always existed. You have already agreed to that term, and therefore you can't just say, well, now I don't want to agree to it. And, you know, in contrast to that, if you were never working from home and previously, if you were working, let's say, two days a, a week from home, Uh, and now they ask you to come in full-time. Well, now they're introducing a new term into the employment contract and relationship, and you have to evaluate it uh, on the basis of whether it amounts to a fundamental change and can be classified as a constructive dismissal. All right. Are there any mitigating factors here, Stan, because of the pandemic and what we've been through the last couple of years? And I'm thinking in particular what I just mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you know, the masking policy. Uh, yes, it might be dropped by the government, but maybe you don't feel comfortable going back into a enclosed workspace and there is not a masking policy in place or maybe mm-hmm. there's not a testing policy in place. Are those mitigating factors when it comes to maybe a safe return to the office for workers? They would only be mitigating factors if there's an overarching, you know, human rights aspect, usually a medical aspect that would ground those factors and therefore allow you to request accommodation. Uh, if, if the only reason you're requesting these things is personal choice, you know, subjective beliefs, uh, I can tell you that the employer has no duty to accommodate your personal choice or preferences. If, however, you have medical concerns and the doctor is willing to provide you with medical documentation that substantiate those concerns and request for accommodation, then absolutely not only you know, does your employer have to consider it, they have to do it uh, and accommodate you to the point of undue hardship, which is a very high standard. And, you know, contextually, if you've been working from home for two years, it's very clear that you can be accommodated by just being allowed to do that moving forward. Okay, but uh, masking, and I'm thinking about the teachers in particular here, because this is all over the news this afternoon once again, and has been the last couple of days since the announcement of the mask mandate uh, being lifted immediately after spring break. If you do not feel safe because there's no longer a masking policy or, again, a testing policy perhaps uh, in place, you do not have a standing when it comes to an unsafe uh, workplace? You know, every workplace is different, and certainly I can think of reasons where a workplace might be considered unsafe despite the regulations being dropped at the provincial and federal level. But, Jeff, we've kind of already actually been through this process at the beginning of the pandemic when people were initially being asked to return, you know, during the first summer window and the second summer window. And, you know, basically what people were doing if they felt that it was unsafe is they would go and complain to the Ministry of Labor because the Ministry of Labor has an occupational health and safety division, which actually evaluates whether your concerns about an unsafe workplace are grounded and can remedy that. And generally, from what I've seen the ministry do, I mean, they have once you've made that complaint, they have an obligation to investigate. And and no 
and nothing can be done against you. No reprisals can be taken against you for making that complaint. But just just saying that you feel it's unsafe does not mean that the ministry will agree that it's an unsafe workplace. And generally, from the first two windows, from the decisions that I've seen the ministry making, you know, that hasn't been a basis to not go back. And the ministry will generally not agree that it's an unsafe workplace if, uh, if, if a person just believes that. I mean, ultimately, if the government has said that these regulations are no longer necessary to enforce a safe workplace, you know, that's the government's directive. And the Ministry of Labor is a branch of the government. Okay, last hour, Stan, we were discussing a return to the workplace, a return to the office in this survey that suggests two out of five Canadian workers, if they're asked to return full-time to the office, will actually resign or quit. Uh, what is your advice as an employment lawyer to those that do not want to return to the office on a full-time basis? Yes, pre-pandemic, they were there five days a week, but the pandemic has changed you know, so many things when it comes to our lives, including maybe your priorities and you just can't see yourself or don't want to be in the office five days a week. I mean, what's your advice? Can you negotiate something maybe with your employer? You're absolutely free to negotiate. And the best way to negotiate for those out there is to go and get another opportunity and bring that to your employer and use that as leverage. Because it's very easy for an employer to say no to you if all you're doing is asking. But if you're saying, if you're giving them an ultimatum, you know, that's going to make it much more difficult for them if they want to keep you. And, you know, we've seen what's been going on in the labor market. There is a lot of people moving around for these exact reasons. Some employers have been very rigid in their view, and they're maintaining that, you know, you got to come back five days a week, just like it was. As you've noted, a lot of people don't want to live their lives that way anymore. And there's a lot of employers who will accommodate people who want to change their schedules and maintain the schedule that they've had during the pandemic. So this is, to me, is not so much a legal question. This is, you know, the question of our labor market. If you don't like your employer, sometimes the answer isn't a legal answer. It's a simple answer of just go find another job that, where they will give you the terms that you want to agree to. Joined on the line by Stan Fenzelberg, employment lawyer. Stan, also want to discuss with you a story that really made headlines the past week or so. We all know the fitness industry has been hit particularly hard by the uh, pandemic. And Good Life Fitness uh, made some uh, headlines by terminating nearly 500 personal trainers through email. Is there anything illegal uh, about that? I mean, a lot of personal uh, trainers that uh, ended up terminated thought that uh, was a little harsh and that uh, they deserved, at the very least, you know, a phone call. So, you know, I wouldn't say it's illegal per se. Obviously, you know, there are moral reasons why you may not want to do that. There's actually some legal reasons too, because the way you terminate a person, if you do it in extreme bad faith, that can attract uh, what's called aggravated damages from the court, essentially exemplary damages based on your bad faith conduct at the end of the relationship. Usually, you know, doing it in the way that they did, it's, it's bad faith, but it's not going to rise up to that level of saying, now we have to punish you for your conduct. There's obviously, when you're doing a mass termination like that, it's very hard to handle. Um, I've seen a number of things online about better ways to handle, and I agree that they could have you know, spoken to people on, uh, with, via phone call before sending out that letter. But if most of these people, and I presume most of these people, have been off of work from, since the pandemic because these places have been closed largely, you know, it's hard to communicate with people once they're not in the workplace. And it may not be the most appropriate method, but ultimately I don't think there's anything illegal about it. All right, so there's no case here for wrongful termination? 
Well, wrongful termination, and this is what a lot of people actually misunderstand, a wrongful termination at its core is simply the, a case that says that I was terminated and not paid enough severance. And from what I've seen, Good Life is only paying people their minimum entitlements under statutes in the various provinces. That does not mean that you have been given everything you're entitled to, and it certainly doesn't mean that it's not a wrongful termination. Now, for example, if a 24-year employee got terminated by Good Life, they're probably only getting their minimums of on, in Ontario, which would in that case be 32 weeks. You know, depending on that person's age and position, they could be entitled to anything from 18 to 24 months. So just because they're getting something doesn't mean it's fair. And wrongful termination is always on the table when you're not getting a fair severance package. All right, Stan, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for this and have a good weekend. Same to you, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks. Stan Fenzelberg, employment lawyer with Zamfiro Tamarkin with us. And we're back after this break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.